Good morning. How nice to see half of your face. I hope you're enjoying the introduction to really brisk weather. Did you know it's supposed to snow two days this week? Goodness gracious. I uh, have a couple of things I'd like to say this morning. First of all, how good it is to see Brian Perryman upright and walking. Thank you, Lord. Uh, In addition to that, there's a scripture that talks about love and how it endures all things and is patient in all things. And I know what that looks like because my bride of 51 years today has put up with all of that (laughs) as I have grown up. So happy anniversary, baby. (laughs) Yeah, this is what endurance looks like. Why, thank you very much. Um, It's my privilege to be watching the transition of God in in our lives in a variety of ways. And one of those that is most dear to me is the testimony of his grace to us in sending Pastor Jay to be leader in the future of this house. This morning he's coming to share the word. So would you please stand and welcome him. Thank you. Good morning. And happy anniversary to you both. Thank you for your example to all of us. I really appreciate it. It's also my my baby sister's birthday, who's not so much a baby any longer. So if she watches this, happy birthday, Maura. I love you. And before we get started today, I want to open in prayer. Father, we just thank you for today. Holy Spirit, I invite you, your presence here today. Lord, we thank you that you're already with us, but I invite your special presence here for grace and wisdom, insight, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your love. I ask that you would guide my words, Lord, and that you would guide our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's two weeks since I've been with you. And a lot has changed in two weeks. In some ways, not a lot has changed, but in other ways, we have some definitive moments. And so I want to give an update. I'm going to start with a story first. About, it's actually from my childhood. I was reflecting on this time, and Lord, how can you help me capture some of the things that I've been through and part of the process that we're going through. So he brought me back to a, a time in my childhood when I was eight years old. And at that time, we were, I was living in California. We had a, a, a house in a neighborhood that had a cul-de-sac on it. And at the end of the cul-de-sac was a really nice park that opened up. Into, it was a big open space type of park out in California. Lots of, lots of greenery, some green hills, some trails through there. Uh, we had this big giant oak tree with a, a rope swing there and... Um, there's trails that kind of went off as the, the hill spread away. There's trails that went off. And they're mostly dirt trails, but down right in front of the, the entrance there to the park, it was 
gravel. It was that nice, tiny, flint rock gravel. You familiar with that at parks, right? So anyways, I got my bike, and I rode my bike up to the top of that hill, and I wanted to ride down through the trail and out through the, uh, through the uprights there to, uh, that you could walk through, ride a bike through into the park. And um, I'm a Star Wars fan, so I wanted to punch the gap as I went through, right? So here I go, eight years old, cruising down this hill, no helmet on, of course, because that's what we did in the 90s. Just cruising right down this hill. And as I come, I have to turn to get through the gap. And so I'm just, this is feeling great, this is feeling fun, I'm having a good time. I turn to shoot the gap, and the next thing I know, I'm eating gravel. Anybody else ever done that before? Know the feeling? Yeah, I remember getting up and bleeding immediately and having flint rocks in my palms and in my side, and I tore up my, my arm real good. It was bad. I left my bike and I ran home crying. I remember my mom coming back with me after patching me up and helping me pick up my bike and going home. And uh, that, that was, a, that was a, lo- a rough lesson. One of the things I learned from that lesson is this. When moving quickly and through unstable ground, don't take a sharp turn. You also don't want to break in that situation either. I've taught my sons this, and um, it's only happened to me, I think, one other time. Not, not to the same degree as that, but it was a, a quick reminder of, ooh, slow down. Watch where you're going. Don't, sharp, don't turn sharply. I tore myself up pretty, pretty bad at that point in time uh, when my wheels went right out from underneath me. So here we are now. Fast forward 30 years, same principle. Don't turn sharply through unstable ground when you haven't moved fast. Except at this point, it's not just me on my bike. I've got a whole lot of other people up there with me. What am I addressing today? I'm addressing the message I gave two weeks ago and... I'm going to be apologizing for things that I stated in that message. Not just things I stated, but how I delivered what it was that I delivered. And I'm going to be giving us direction on insight into the situation that we're in and direction on how this matters for us moving forward as a people. So, I want to start by saying... If you haven't been with us for a while, if this is your first time with us, um, you wouldn't have seen this message up on, online after about a day or so after it posted. Uh, we took it down initially to do some editing, but after the um, input from several trusted people, we said, let's keep it down for now. Now, if you're present for that message and you heard it, you'll know that I said in there that I would be held accountable for the things that I would say because we have to be accountable for our words. I think Pastor Lanny did a really great job last week approaching that very topic from a very apostolic perspective. We have to be held accountable for our words, and when we get it wrong, we need to own it, 
apologize for it, repent, and turn back to the Lord. The sooner we align ourselves with what God is doing, the better. Now, if we're going to hold that standard in this house, as has been done before, that has to be demonstrated here from the pulpit when I get it wrong. I'm not the first one to do that. Pastor Lanny has set that example for a long time. And so we continue to follow in that foot, those footsteps. So I need to be accountable for what I said. We pulled that video down. It will go back up. However, when it does, it will be appended at the front with a separate video from me clearing certain things up. So people who stumble upon that video recognize that it is connected with this one right here. This is a two-part teaching, a before and an after. And there's other things that need to be stated in that so that people don't stumble over the timing of that word and what wasn't stated in that word. And I'll address that here today as I move through. I'm going to be very particular about some things, and in other areas I'm going to kind of make collective statements about things so that you can understand what it is that I'm apologizing for because there are particular wordings and there are also general things that I did action-wise that I need to own up and apologize for. Okay? Before I start with that, I want to thank people. Many of you have stood by me, whether you agreed with what I did and said or not. Many of you have been praying for me over these, these past two weeks, and I greatly appreciate that. Because I've been asking the Lord for wisdom, I've been asking him for his correction if I'm, if I'm wrong, I've been asking him for his perspective, because I need it. We all need it. And by the way, none of us is above reproof. None of us is infallible. None of us are in a position where we cannot be challenged, and we must understand that. Okay? We have to get that straight. We can't elevate anybody to a place where they are perfect and they are without fault. There's only one who holds that position, and we've been singing to him today. Okay? So thank you for everybody who has stood with me. And I also want to thank everybody who had the courage to challenge me on the other side of that. Not in a mean or abusive sort of way, but in a very a place of humility, a place of grace, a place of support and love. That's demonstrating the spirit of this house and how we as the body of Christ are to treat one another with grace and love. So thank you. I mean that in a very heartfelt way. Whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, whether it's present or sometime in the future, thank you. <clears throat> I want to start with Exodus 33, verses 7 through 17. This is a passage of Moses at the tent of meeting. It's about him meeting at the tent of meeting with the Lord. And... He asks some things of the Lord in this that are important for him as a leader, which I can apply to myself, but it's also important for all of us because, as we know, the veil's been torn, folks. We're not, it's not the same setup as it was in the Old Testament. We're, we're in a, a new covenant with the Lord. So this has application to us, but in particular, there's things for me as a leader that are, are part of this body. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. 
And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I think it's interesting that Joshua stayed in the presence of the Lord. He stayed there. I truly believe that the Lord was was training him in that. He was identifying with the presence. That's instructional to us. God chose Joshua in this season to go into the promised land. He was one of the ones who gave a good report, remember? And then he's one of two that actually entered into the promised land after the 40 years in the desert. He was trained in this way, and the Lord told him as he entered in, I will be with you as I was with Moses. That's a powerful thing. So I, I look at this as some foreshadowing for us. But he attended Moses, and he was, he was learning from him what was important, and he was trained by that. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said... I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. I think it's important to pause here for a second and recognize that Moses is asking the Lord to know him and to know why it is that he does what he does how it is that he does what he does. He's not asking him for a list of rules. Now, we have the commandments, we have the rules, we have the law that comes out, but Moses is saying, I want to know you, and I want to be trained by your ways. Teach them to me. And this is the Lord's reply. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. His presence. And he will give him rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. What's he promising? His presence. His presence is what sets the people of God apart from every other people in the world. His presence. You've heard us say time and time again, the first and foremost thing that we want to protect here is his presence. We want to honor him. We want to honor what he's doing. And it governs the way that we interact with one another. Part of what Pastor Lanny shared last week is remember about the the dove's lighting and not, not scaring the dove away by our actions and our activities, but keeping that focus on, Lord, we want to host your presence. We want to honor your presence. Without his presence, we look like everybody else. So his presence is important to us. I shared two weeks ago three things that we value in this order. There's other things that we value too, but top three things. The person and presence of the Holy Spirit. Without him here as the resident Lord of the church, 
we're going through form, we're going through function, we may be doing it in good heart, but we need Him. We need to honor Him. We need to learn His ways. God's Word, His Bible, the Holy Bible, it's infallible. We need to know it, we need to consume it, we need to be measured by it. We need to be allow ourselves to be measured by it. We need to know it. It's his standard. Third thing, we want to honor the prophetic. This is part of our DNA here at our Father's house. God has been training us in the prophetic for decades. He's continuing to do that. He will continue to do so, and this is a training moment for us. A very particular aspect of his training. So as we go into this, I want to give us a big, broad-scale view of my understanding of this moment that we're in, in the broad sense. I don't arrive at this just by myself. receive counsel from others. And it's helping to guide me as I guide us through this time. Okay? We know that the Lord has been refining us in this season. We've been talking about that for a long time. He is refining his church. He's purifying his church. He's shaking everything that can be shaken so that anything that doesn't belong is shaken loose and we hold on to him. It means there's a lot of things that we're having to abandon in this time, and that's been a fairly traumatic experience for many of us. But it's a purifying process that he's bringing us through because he is building his body. He is building his church. And he's building us beautifully. And so things that need to be dealt with, he's dealing with in this time. Many of us have been praying for corruption to be revealed. The Lord would expose things that shouldn't be there so that he can continue to bring us forward. Now we know that the Lord deals with his church first. Judgment comes first to the house of God. So as we're praying these things, I don't think that we're out of alignment with, with what, what we're praying, what his will is. But he's going to answer how he answers. My understanding is that doesn't leave the prophetic outside of the picture. God has to clean things up. He has to mature us. He has to grow us, and he has to strengthen us, which means wrong ideas that we've got about that, wrong practices, or areas that we are not managing that well, he's going to address. Not to harm us, but for our own good, so that it becomes better, so that it becomes strengthened, so that it is prepared for the seasons that he is bringing us into. I don't think this is the last time that he's going to clean house and clean up his house. This is something that he is doing and he is at work in. Our job is to say, yes, Lord. Lord, teach us what you're doing. Teach us your ways. We want to be able to host your presence, and we want to know that you're with us. So we're standing in a situation right now where, as I shared before, and I'll go into it specifically here in a moment, I shared that there are prophetic words, many of them out there, about 
Donald Trump receiving a second presidency about consecutive times in office, and we're now here beyond the 20th, and we have a whole new administration that has been inaugurated, and it is in place. There are many people that are continuing to contend for those words to come to pass. I understand that. But at some point, we have to be able to say, this didn't happen. That's an inaccurate word. We have to be able to look at it that way. Whatever it was that was supposed to come to pass, that was prophesied was going to come to pass, we have something else that has taken place now. So there's an accuracy there. You know, you can run down lots of different rabbit trails as to why that could have happened. Did they miss it? Did they, uh, did they prophesy out of their soul? Did they prophesy um, by trying to combine things together? Did they... Uh, was there a lying spirit in there? There's all sorts of ways that people are looking at this right now. And I'll say this. I don't think the postmortem on this thing has fully been processed. But I believe that it will be over time because I trust the Lord. that He is training us. He'll bring those things to light. So I'm not going to make any statement about what that actually was right now. Other than to say, there's inaccurate prophecies I believe that the Lord has allowed that to come about so that we can take a good hard look about the, the processes those have come forward with, what has not been put in place, and begin to ask him, Lord, what is it that you want to put in place so that we learn from this moment? In saying this, I also want you to hear this. I am in no way going to disrespect or dishonor Prophets and those that the Lord has been training in this. Those that have been yielding themselves to the Lord and have made bold statements. Because I believe that there are good men and women of the Lord who have been following him and doing things the best that they know how to do. I'm not going to dishonor them. The Lord will discipline and correct who he's going to discipline and correct. He's not throwing out prophecy. He's not throwing out prophets. He'll discipline who he's going to discipline, and those who are willing to respond and repent will do that, and they'll learn from it. Listen, they are human just like you and I are. They're not infallible, and they can be teachable just like we are. This is a big oops But the Lord's intent is not to leave it that way. His intent is to bring it forward, strengthen it, and make it more beautiful. Because we know this is how he has set up his house, how he has arranged his house, and he's going to bring it into proper order. So whatever has been out of order, he's bringing into order. And this is not just in this one area of the body of Christ. We're just happening to talk about a particular aspect of it. Now... He's purifying all of us and he's maturing us. And it's not just about the prophets and what they said and what they shared. The other side of it is how do we as the people of God receive what has been shared? There's two sides to this coin. So I've, I've spoken about one side of that. The Lord's going to be cleaning that up in the macro level. There's things that we have to do at the corporate level here, the local level. And I'll get to that later. 
But the other side of this coin is, how is it that we receive and then share those things? And I'm here today to own what I did, what I said, and how I did it. Okay? A couple of statements that I made, and I shared this a little bit earlier here. That President Donald Trump will serve a second term, and it'll be consecutive. I said this, too. I don't know how the Lord is going to do this. I don't. I don't have a clue. But as his representative in the earth, I have to say, God says that Donald Trump is, is supposed to be, have a second term, and that it's supposed to be consecutive. I am not stating that the Lord told me that specifically myself. But I repeated that to you as your leader here saying, this is what I believe the word of the Lord is to us. I also said this. I'd rather go down in flames standing on what I believe the word of God is in that moment than stand to the side and watch others walk in victory. Later on, I said this. So if this thing burns, we go down burning with it because I'm going to stand on the Lord's word. I'm going to stand on the Lord's word. I'm going to stand on what he released to the prophets because here's the thing. I'm going to honor the one that he sent because in doing so, I honor him. Even if I am in error, I'm in error following the Lord and staying current with his precepts because he doesn't do anything without first telling his prophets. It's in the scripture. Referencing Amos 3.7 there. There's, there's some principles in there that work. However, like we spoke about earlier in this message, it's not just about the principles and the rules. What are his ways? What is it that he's doing in this moment? And I even spoke about us staying current with him. When he's telling us to go one way, if he tells us to zig, when we zag, we're off, the, we're off track at that point. We're outside his grace. In fact, <clears throat> well, I'll get, that, get to that in a moment. One of the things I think is a, a big takeaway from this moment in the macro level, in the big C church perspective, but also in the local church, is this. Prophecy needs to be judged. I don't know how much judging there is of prophecy that's going on in the big C church level. I, I, I think that's been kind of running away without being pulled in yet. And I think the Lord's pulling back the reins on this right now and recognizing with us prophecy needs to be judged. I'm going to bring us through a few scriptures here. First Thessalonians 5, 19-22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. 1 Corinthians 14, 29-33. This, this speaks about a, a corporate atmosphere, an environment where we are together processing what we believe the Lord is saying. And, and it talks about judging prophecy right here. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, 
so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Our God is a God of order. He doesn't want disorder. He doesn't want disarray. He doesn't want confusion coming in. This is something that we see taking place in real time as prophecy is being shared. He's telling us we need to, we need to test these things. We need to test the accuracy. We need to test the spirit that's going on in there. In 1 Corinthians 13, 9-10, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. We're living in a time where we know in part and we prophesy in part which means that we have to be reliant upon one another. There's a community aspect to this where there's judgment that's taking place on what is coming forth. It's for the protection of the people that are receiving it. It's also for the protection of the prophet who is giving it. This is done out of love. This isn't done to beat anybody up or anything. It's to protect us and keep us safe. I think the Lord's bringing some order back into this process. I'll say from, a, from a, our Father's house perspective, words that get shared up here at the front have been processed. If you've sent a word into our text line or you've ever brought it up to a, our prophetic lead, that's, that is something that we have put in place as a process to process those words so that those words can be judged. You may have, been, you may have either received a text or an email that, back that said, I'd like you to think about this a little bit more, you know, process this a little bit, um, take this before the Lord. Or I think this was maybe a personal word for you. I don't think this is supposed to be shared at the, at the corporate level. Uh, sometimes it comes in and we have to weigh it over a longer period of time. Other times it'll come in and we recognize this is part of what the Lord's word is in this, in this moment. There's the confirmation of it. Our job together is to pass what we've received on to the next and then let it go and be, let it be what it's going to be. Because we don't own those words, we're processing it together. It's being judged so that we can bring something good forward. We even have it where the prophetic lead will submit things to uh, that person who is leading the meeting for that day because that person is sitting in a place of authority for, the, for helping to facilitate what God is doing in that moment. And what is brought forward might not be in alignment with what he's delivering at that point in time. Do you get what I'm saying? We have processes in place for that to happen. There's probably ways that we can do that better. That'll be at the very end here, what I'll be talking about. Okay. I shared with you some of the things that I've said specifically. I want to share some other things, some, some words, actions, actions I took, actions I didn't take that I should have in that, in that setting two weeks ago. First one is this. I had a very tone-deaf moment. Just days prior to our gathering, there was an attack on the Capitol. We all know that. The day after that attack happened, I issued a statement from the church on Facebook and internally through email telling us this was lawlessness. We're not behind what's taken place there. We need to keep praying. This is adding more confusion, more chaos, more disarray into our nation. And that's not something that we're going to stand with. For months, we've been talking about, uh, we've been speaking against violence that had been taking place in our country. We don't then jump onto other violence that takes place in our country. 
It's all part of the same disarray and confusion and lawlessness. You don't stand with that. You stand against that. I'm fairly clear about that in that communication. However, that doesn't mean everybody who's walked through that door on two weeks ago had access to that message. It also doesn't mean that the people who are watching on YouTube, like many are right now, had access to that message. We're living in a different place. I did not communicate again that position in that time, and that was a mistake because it's caused people to stumble connecting what I shared without stating that first. One thing that Pastor Lanny will say, and and Tim has taught me for years, is that you can't over-communicate. We send you texts, we send you emails, we send you letters, we talk about it from the pulpit, and we'll still have a, a gathering and some will say, how come I didn't know about this? I didn't listen to that wisdom, and I under-communicated significantly in that scenario. So I apologize for that. If that's caused you to stumble, caused you to think that we support violence in any sort of way, I'm just here to say right now, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I also did not represent the prophetic well. And there's a couple of ways I didn't I did that. <clears throat> As we've shared here, the prophetic needs to be judged. It needs to be processed. And not just by the speaker, and not just by a specific team of people. Those things should happen. But in New Testament, when we deliver a prophetic word, you have the opportunity because you have the Holy Spirit inside you to weigh what is said and consider before the Lord whether you're willing to get behind that or not. Okay? You have the Holy Spirit. We teach you, I mean, teaching you that you need to be able to, you can, you have access to the, the Holy Spirit, you have access to Him speaking to you. You can talk to God, you can dialogue with him. We have classes about that to teach you those things because it's important and it is vital as you go through your journey with the Lord. So I didn't represent that well. I also did not present to you references of specific prophetic people that I was speaking about in that gathering or links to what it was that they had said. I also believe, as I've gone through and and reviewed my statements, uh, that I believe I overstated some of their relationships with this house. Now, there are people that I was referencing that have relationship with this house, in particular Bobby Connor. But there's others that are feeding into our prophetic ministry, like Chris Vallotton and Sean Bowles, not directly of their knowledge, but our knowledge of drawing from their materials and helping training us in the prophetic so I'll speak about those prophetic voices that I'm listening to or was listening to in giving uh, what I stated. Now, as I said, there's a lot of voices out there that have been speaking stuff in this time. I can't list them all. And neither am I going to put weight on the things that they've all said. There are particular prophetic voices that I'll list here, and I'll tell you why I shared, um, why I would list them. 
and there's others that I've been watching and listening to in this time from the perspective of they're coming up right now in the prophetic, and so I'm watching to see what happens with them in this season. Because those that are those that I consider to be tried and true, respectable voices that are out there right now are not always going to be on the scene. So I'm watching to see who the next generation is that the Lord is raising up. With that being said, the first voice that I was listening to is this, Kim Clement. Some of you may or may not know who Kim Clement is. Kim Clement is no longer here on earth. He's at home with the Lord. But he was a a prophetic voice um, started several decades ago. Where I grew up in California, uh, Kim would come through our church and he would he would prophesy and he had this very interesting uh, worship prophetic ministry. And this guy would get in the glory and he was very accurate with what he was sharing and he would see things that were pretty far in the future. And there's been some significant things that have come forward from him. In, in particular, he had prophesied about 9-11 before that took place. And he also, in 2007... This is when I was saying several decades ago, people started prophesying about Trump coming into the White House. Kim Clement, in 2007, released a word that God was going to raise up Trump as a trumpet. And he started talking about a president that was going to receive two terms, that he was going to go into the office not as a praying man, but he was going to become a praying man, and that the Lord was going to use him in a mighty way. He ended up having multiple prophetic words about this president over the series of several years, uh, I think until 2015, when he ended up having a stroke, couldn't speak anymore, and then he ended up passing away uh, several weeks after um, President Trump won his won his presidency. Very intriguing, because many of the things that he said came to pass. That's the first one that I would said I'm, I'm going to put some weight on this, because I have a personal connection with his ministry as growing up, and I've seen a history of him getting things right accurately. Second, Bobby Connor, has, he is a, a prophetic voice that has actually been here in our father's house. We have, we have a relationship with Bobby, and many of our, our people in our prophetic ministry have kind of grown up under, uh, I'd say, that, that guard of, of prophetic ministers. So Bobby has had influence here. He continues to... Um, be a voice that many of our people listen to because of the the track record that he has and the history we have with him. He's also someone who's very much before the Lord, and he's fairly consistent, I would say, in sharing a word time and time again. I don't watch a lot of drift in what takes place in his words. Um, Chris Vallotton, many of you know, uh, is a is a prophetic voice in, in Bethel uh, out at Reading. Uh, Chris has a lot of training materials that he's he's built, and our prophetic ministry has been uh, utilizing some of those training materials. Of particular note with his, his training, he is very big on prophetic accountability. That's, that's huge. That's part of what we're talking about here. Ha- being accountable for our words. When we miss it, we own it, and we, we apologize and repent. Now, that's something that Chris trains people on, and the Lord has used him in a mighty way. He's very accurate. The Lord has used him to prophesy to quite a few uh, political leaders, not only in this nation, but in others. Uh, so he, um, so he, he holds some weight with me because I know he has a track record of, of focusing on being accurate and accountable for his words. 
Chris is one of the first to come out and publicly apologize and repent after the, uh, the election. So he quickly responded. Sean Bowles is another, another voice that's been coming up in this time. We've been paying attention to him, also big about prophetic accountability and training pe- the people of God in the prophetic, recognizing that there's a variety of ways the prophetic comes forward, and he helps people to grow in their prophetic gifting. He's very big on prophetic accountability, which is another reason why I would pay attention to his, his material and the way that he teaches. The last voice that I would speak about here uh, is somebody I don't have a whole lot of history with yet, but I, I label him here because of how he has come out of this moment and the well-documented process that he has for how he arrived at where he arrived with uh, his prophecy about Trump. That's Jeremiah Johnson. Some of you may be familiar with him. He's a younger guy. And um, in, his, in his apology, he actually showed his method, which is well-documented. He actually wrote books that were published at certain times and said, this is what I saw, this is what I wrote, this is what I saw, this is what I wrote, this is how I arrived where I arrived, and I believe things went wrong here. I greatly appreciate that because it demonstrates, again, somebody who is responsible before the Lord, they're accountable, and they want to grow and be trainable. So I don't see in there guile and someone trying to win something over. We'll have links for you guys to follow in the future to be able to, to do that. We can append those to these videos so that you can go back and watch those uh, at your pleasure if you want to. But I did not provide those up front, did not give you a chance to understand what was particular that was being said without asking you to come follow me. Okay? I also put these people, as I'm going back through this, Lord, where did I go wrong? What did I not do well here? When I look at my heart, I see that I put them in an exalted position. Okay? We should be looking at the vessel that the word is coming through. We should be looking at their accuracy and their track record. But there's other aspects of prophetic words that we need to, to judge as well. We need to do that communi- in community. Didn't do that in broad community with people that I should have reached out to in that process. And instead, I went more off of my personal experience, reputation, and track record and elevated that above other aspects of those words being shared. That was incorrect and improper. And then I stepped forward and said, what they share, are sharing, I believe to be the word of the Lord. And I challenged us, you, to then share my position, and I did not give you a lot of leeway in that. That's also not proper. I also equated, in my language, even though I said this isn't a political thing, I equated Trump winning and those words about the election that I was sharing with you coming to pass as being victory. That's not victory for everybody. Now, I didn't influence anybody's vote here, but, I also, but I, what I did do was tell you that your vote could become invalidated. So I pulled that back. 
If you look at what I shared in the full message, where I finished at the end of it, talking about us considering who we are a mouthpiece for, I shared examples of uh, not standing in a righteous position and speaking out of our soul and doing something unrighteous from a righteous position is exactly what I did in that message. I had a... Back in my history, I had a math class one time in college <clears throat> where my teacher set up her overhead projector. Remember those? I don't know if we're still using those anymore. She set up an overhead projector, and she took the cord, and she plugged it into the wall behind her, and then she tripped right over the cord. I think that's what I did. Because I said, you need to be careful about the words that come out of our mouths. They need to be in line with the Lord. He's going to purify our words. He's the refiner, and he's in the refining business right now. And then I did what I told us not to do. All in one message. I said this, referencing Pastor Bill Johnson. Anything that draws us away from our purpose in the Lord is meant to draw our affections away from the Lord ultimately. So I stood in a place of righteousness, spoke out of my soul, and many of you felt that. Now what that happened to do is this. It caused increased division. It caused increased strife. It caused increased confusion and encampment from our people. Probably more than seven months now. I don't know what the actual date is. I've been teaching us to not turn to the right or to the left, but to stay focused on the Lord. And while my heart may have been there in delivering what I delivered, that's not what came out from it. Like riding on that bike, trying to keep that balance, I turned too quickly. And we're eating gravel. I've tried to be comprehensive in this whole thing, what I'm bringing forward, what I'm confessing to you here today. And so I want to say to everybody in this room, everyone who's online watching now or in the future, I apologize for all these things that I've confessed to you here. And I mean that in a heartfelt way. And ask for your forgiveness. Because I want to be in line with what the Lord is doing. I need to remain humble before him. And considerate of you as I lead. Because I'm not leading for my own good. Like Moses said, Lord, remember these are your people. You're his people. So I ask for your forgiveness.
And I know some of you may not be willing to forgive me right now, or able, and that's okay. Here's some lessons learned for me personally out of this as I'm looking at my own aftermath in this situation. Lord, what are you teaching me in this? We've learned long ago not to say, why, Lord? But what, Lord, are you after in me personally? This has been a wake-up call for me. It's been a wake-up call in how I lead It's been a wake-up call in who I'm leading with. And a recognition for me personally that I need to do a much greater, much higher degree of diligence in the execution of my duties in this role that I'm in. Really to further inhabit and really, truly fill out and fulfill the role that he has given me here as pastor in this house. Lanny and I are about to hand the baton off here in a few months. So there's aspects of this that I need to fully inhabit and own personally. One of those is this. If this is your first time hearing it, it won't be the last. You all hold a piece of the pie. You all have the ability to make your, um, your thoughts and feelings and expressions known representing your piece of the pie. And you should. Feel free to do so. It's who you are. It's what you're called to do. My job is this, though. I see the whole pie. Not just see the whole pie. I have to minister to the whole pie. Our Father's house is not a Republican church. Okay? Our Father's house where God's people come together. We're a family here. We have different perspectives here. And that is okay. I said earlier in the year, we're not about the the party of the donkey or the party of the elephant. We're in the party of the lamb. Okay? We come together there. And there's a mutuality in how we treat one another how we honor one another, and how we share what it is that we have to share. So part of me stepping into this is stepping more fully into those accountable relationships that I have that keep me protected and keep you protected. Because we know we're not supposed to rule for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those the Lord has given us authority and responsibility over. As I stated earlier, I think we, one of the things we have going for us is this. We judge words inside the house already. We're going to have to revisit that, of course, because if the Lord is purifying the, he's purifying his people right now, if he's purifying the prophetic, then our due diligence is popping the hood on that thing and seeing, do we need an upgrade? Do we need to do some repairs here? Let's figure that out. But also, and I think more glaringly, what do we do with words that are coming into the house, that are being stated outside our local church? God has placed me as a gatekeeper here 
like a father. Any fathers or mothers know that it's our duty to filter and consider what makes it to our kids, those who are responsible for. Just because it's out there doesn't mean it's there for their consumption through us, right? So my job is to protect this house. And I don't do that alone. But I do hold the buck. We are very blessed here that the Lord has given us prophetic ministers who have spent decades of their lives being refined by God's fire to train others, and and not just train others, to express his gifts and graces in a mature way, to put that on display in a mature way, not individually only, but also corporately. So as there's things that come up outside this house, I need to be engaging those, that body of mature prophetic voices here for counsel. There are other people within the body who are mature, been around the block much longer than me, that I believe the Lord wants me to have as advisors to me as the pastor, because I don't know all this stuff yet, folks. There are people who love me, who love you, and most importantly, they love the Lord. They offer me counsel already, but there's got to be a better way for me to engage that. So I'm going to be pursuing that. I believe the Lord is going to hold the the big C church to a much higher standard in the prophetic and other aspects of of ministry as well. But in particular today, we're talking about the prophetic. I think he's going to behold us to a much higher standard. So this oops that we're in right now, I think is important for us. So I recommend to you to consider, if you're holding out on these words coming forward at some point in time, let's take a step back from them and say, okay, Lord, Teach us what it is that you want to teach us. Your will be done. This is inaccurate. What is it you want us to learn from this so that we can build moving forward? Because remember, he's not here to beat us with a big stick. He's here to grow us. He's here to strengthen us. He's here to mature us because he is building his bride. I want to be on board with that. We're in a teachable moment. I want to learn. So Lord, show us what we need to learn from and help us get there quickly. I want to partner with the purposes of God and what he's doing. Now, I think it's important for us as a church to consider how we move forward from this moment in transition into this season that we are now in. We are under new administration in this country. First Timothy 2, 1-2, through 2, we have Paul admonishing us this way. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. Doesn't matter who's leading our county, 
or a state or whatnot, we as his people are called to be praying for them, asking for the Lord to give godly counsel to them, for him to bring wisdom, and for him to have them align with his purposes. doesn't matter who's there. doesn't matter who you voted for. That's a principle that we can live by. So I invite all of us into that activity. Saying, Lord, if you want us to be praying, then we need to be praying. Our country needs prayer right now, folks. We've been praying for over a year now, very specifically, very particularly, asking for the Lord's goodness and his grace to be poured out here. We've been asking for bad things to be exposed. That does not leave the church out of it. But we continue to come before him humbly. We walk where he tells us to walk. We go where he tells us to go. And as we fall down and eat gravel, we learn to pick ourselves up, pick one another up, stand back up, dust off, heal, move forward. I said that if I'm going to go down, I'd rather go down in flames. I'm thinking that the flames that go down in are the refining fire of the Lord. So, Lord, whatever is in me that is offensive to you, Lord, I ask for you to burn away. I ask, Lord, for you to take it away because I don't want it to be there and inhibit what you have for, for me and for your people. So I ask for your refining fire, Lord. I submit to you, Lord, and ask for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Lanny come forward to lead us to through communion whatever whatever else the Lord has for us today well thank you I may just say a couple of things first of all those of you who have been with me for a while know I know what that feels like I've been on my knees before elders before young people before, before the entire congregation because nobody gets it right all the time. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. Let's see if you can complete these sentences. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Give grace this week because next week it may be your turn to need it. Very good class. Never excuse away, deny, or try to spend, spend something when you're wrong. Humble yourself, and the Lord releases grace on the situation. 
Anything other than that is pride, and you'll find him resisting you. And that's not a place you want to be. I lived through, we as a household, lived through a prophetic uprising back in 1995. And it was a major turning point in the development of the prophetic within this house. I mean, for 18 months, I didn't allow anybody to say anything until we relayed a foundation, went through the process of reclamation, and corrected the entire situation to get it realigned with the Lord. Now, if this is another one of those moments, I welcome it. Because I've seen what the grace of God has been able to develop since 1995. And if ever there was a season in the life of our country We need to be saying amen in the earth to what the Lamb is saying in heaven. It is is this season. Some years ago, someone decided to start an online prophetic group where anybody in in the universe could throw their prophetic word at their website to see if anything stuck. I opposed it. From its inception, I watched the chaos it produced, and the primary difficulty was it was spoken out of context. If you can't deliver a prophetic word in an atmosphere where it needs to be judged, then you ought to keep your mouth shut until you can get there. Because there are other voices than the Holy Spirit that will take you captive. So, some years later, We had a traveling minister come through here. He spoke a word that had life and death in it for someone. Gave a word of hope to a family that failed. The next time he came to this house, I sat him down in front of the family and held him accountable for their broken heart. And he humbled himself and repented, so he has good standing with me. But he said to me, Lanny, That word was as clear as any other word I have ever delivered. I do not know why it failed. There are, there's a process in maturation, and it is messy. There are some who would say, if you can't be 100% accurate 100% of the time, you ought not be in prophetic ministry. That's somebody who has forgotten the process or simply doesn't understand what it takes to come into maturity. And anybody who tells you they have to be perfect every time they open their mouth doesn't know what they're talking about. Do you hear me? We are all in a journey that the Lord has laid out for us in bringing us into maturity. And there is no way around it. There's going to be pain involved. If you're going to mature in the love of God, you're going to experience pain. If you're going to mature in the character of the Father, you're going to experience pain. Scripture calls it suffering. And it's our lot. Because on the other side of that, there is his glory. Now, I'm going to uh, take us into the scripture for communion. And and I, I really appreciate Paul's perspective on this. And I think in this moment... It has uh, revelatory relevance for us. 
out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning of verse 23. Now make note of this first sentence. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Now I'm sure that Paul had heard what the disciples said about the Last Supper, as we've come to call it. But Paul makes a specific statement that by revelation of Jesus Christ himself to me, this is what I have come to understand. That the Lord of the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, what did he say? This is my body which is broken for you. Now, what are you now called? The body of Christ. There are parallels here for us if we can open our eyes and see. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, he's speaking directly to you and him. All right. And then he goes on to talk about you and us. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of Christ. But a man must first examine himself. Now, I suspect... After this presentation this morning, there are some things that need to be looked at in our hearts concerning our reactions, our judgments, our attitudes. Because examining yourself is about realigning with the Lord personally so that you walk in a clean conscience before God and man. But he goes on to say, for he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Now, when he says body there, is he talking about your physical body or those with whom you're in fellowship? So he's talking about the us. There's an individual responsibility that we have at the communion table of the Lord to be up to date with one another. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? The Holy Spirit. He's the one can point out things to us. You ever come under the thing called conviction? That's him working on your behalf. And we should embrace his convicting power because he comes to make us better. Now, But when we're judged, we're disciplined by the Lord so that we'll not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home so that you'll not come together for judgment. And I've got more to say to you when I get there. This has been a difficult two weeks for Pastor Jay. As one who owns the responsibility for the oversight of a house, I'm uniquely qualified to appreciate what he's been going through. I'm also grateful for those of you who in a right spirit 
genuine love and concern for not only him, but for this household, you have come to him and you have expressed your counsel to him in a way that could be heard. And I honor you, A, for your attitude, B, for your willingness to come and speak. And I know him to be a man who will hear you when you come. So if there are things you need to say to him today before you leave this place, you want to make sure it gets said. And if there are things that you need to submit to the Lord that has been awakened in you today because of what has been shared, you need to say those things to the Lord. And so when we take this, it has, it's a reminder of supernatural power. I mean, what, I, I can't begin to fathom the depths of the mystery of the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm confident that when we are together in his presence, we're going to understand things a whole lot more clearly than we do now. You will trade me? Thank you. You figured out how to open these things after all these weeks? Good girl. (laughs) You know, there's no magic in this Packing peanut. (laughs) But there is a mystery associated with it. And I, I take it in faith, looking for greater understanding as I mature. I'm I'm taking communion on a regular basis now personally. For specific situations, I'm asking the blood of Christ to cover and the Holy Spirit to intervene. But I accept this mystery that Jesus Christ has done something unfathomable to the human mind. But there's something about the spirit in me that responds to him. And this is no wasted moment in my life. Because not only was his body broken for me, as we, his body, are broken open by his spirit, there is life that comes out of us to others. And not only was his blood shed for the forgiveness of all sins of all mankind, there remains the testimony that there is no other means by which we shall be saved except this name. So we hold in our hand an eternal memorial to not only what has been done in our life, but what will be done through our life because of his gracious presence in our life. So, Lord, we offer ourselves afresh to you in light of today and the things you're teaching us, the journey we're on, the hope we have in you, that you will continue to refine us into your image so that without hesitation, without any sense of pride, we can humbly say, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. So we offer up to you afresh our hearts, our understanding, asking that you, God the Holy Spirit, Increase us in wisdom and revelation so that we're more effective in presenting who you are to the world around us. And we take these things and glorify your name with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, take and eat. Take and drink. I appreciate Pastor Steve standing with us this morning. As one who is experienced in the rigors of leadership in a congregation. 
Would you please stand? Steve, come stand with me if you would, sir. I'm going to have Steve dismiss us with a blessing this morning, and then you're free to fellowship. If you need to approach Jay, feel free to do that. Father, we thank you for your incredible grace, your incredible forgiveness. And Lord, I just think of the apostles, the disciples before you over and over, um, not quite getting it right, but in your grace and love, gently correcting them. And you extend that same grace to us. And Lord, we ask that you'd help us to extend that same grace to all those around us. To be gentle and patient as we learn and as we teach and as we grow together in Jesus Christ. May God bless you and keep you this week. Amen.